0: Uh, my wife and I, because she's pregnant, we've been doing a Daniel fast. Who would have known fruits and vegetables are so good for you? Um, but at the same time, I miss meat. I miss uh, all the meats. If it's alive and I can eat it, I miss it. Um, but even, even then, like, oh my gosh, do I, I have because ne- we need, like, a lot of vegetable soups and, like, whatever we can put with vegetables, and I miss bread, You know what I mean? Like just, And I I love bread, if you can't tell by the way I look. I love bread. Bread is just a a thing to me. And what made it harder is what we're talking about today. Because if you were here last week, you'd notice that we started a series called Teach Us to Pray. And it's based off of Luke chapter 11. Jesus goes off to do what he normally does every day, which you spend time alone in prayer. And as the disciples were watching him, the very first thing when he came out, they asked "Is man, Would you teach us to pray, right? Like we talked about last week, not teach us necessarily how to pray, teach us to pray, to be people of prayer, to be people who prayer is a regular aspect of our life. And this is why we've made an emphasis of these 21 days of prayer and fasting, because it's not just a diet, it's not just withholding food, but it's taking an opportunity to get into the presence of God and learn to talk to him, And I think there's an intrinsic level to that. There's a natural indicator in your life when something happens to cry out to God. But then you have to learn how to pray and advance your prayer life. In the same way, when you're a child, there's, there's natural things that you utter and words that you start to speak. But after a while, you have to practice actually speaking, running sentences and full-on conversation. And in the same way, that's how we continue to develop a prayer life. There's no shortcut to developing a prayer life outside of praying like you just have to keep doing it and as you keep doing it you grow and so when they ask Jesus to teach us to pray he gives them a pattern of prayer that's often been known as the Lord's Prayer if you have your Bibles let's look at that and Luke chapter 11 verse 1 through 4 It says, Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day By day, our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Last week, we talked about the first three petitions where he says, um, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You can go back on our YouTube and our social media and catch that if you missed it. Today, I want to focus in on that second, or that next petition, give us day by day our daily bread. Now, again, this was a little harder researching bread all week as I was beginning to study this, but as I was looking at it, my immediate thought, the first portion of scripture that came to my heart was all the way back in Exodus. If you have your Bibles, why don't you open up to Exodus chapter 16, and if you're a note taker, today is a great day for you because I got five thoughts that I want to give you in regard to praying for daily bread, and they all come out of Exodus 16. And so we're just going to go portion by portion to kind of show you how the scripture shows it to us. Exodus 16, 4. Let me give you a little backdrop of what's going on. The people of Israel, Moses has set them free from bondage in Egypt. You know, if you've seen the Prince of Egypt, you kind of have an idea of what I'm talking about. So they're outside of that. And now they're on a journey from that area to Mount Sinai, where they're going to then receive the 10 commandments and all that stuff, right? And so in the middle of that, there's this portion of scripture in Exodus chapter 16. And I want to read verse four, because Uh, It kind of gives us an understanding of what I want to go through. Verse four says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. Somebody said that's my life verse earlier. And I was like, that makes sense. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. And this way I will test them and see whether they follow my instructions. Now, the reason he's raining down bread from heaven is because the people are beginning to complain that they're going to starve to death. Their provisions are starting to run a little bit low. What they had taken out from Egypt when they left had started to get a little bit low. They haven't run out yet. They're not in a desperate need, but they're starting to panic a little bit. They're starting to forecast and think we're dead. We're in the desert. We're in the wilderness. We don't have anything. God has brought us out of Egypt just to leave us here and allow us to die. And so they're starting to complain and they go to the leadership, to Moses and Aaron, and they start complaining, you brought us out here to kill us and you're doing this and you're doing that. And there's this whole big annoyance Complaint that they're giving, and God hears their complaint and his response to Moses, which thank God that he didn't respond in a negative way. He could have just said, You know what? You're right. I'm going to wipe you guys out. You're annoying me. But no, he hears their complaint and he says, Well, I'm going to provide for you. And he says, I will rain down bread from heaven. And so uh, the Israelites go on to call that manna. They didn't know what it was. It was a, a bread that would come in the morning. So at night, they would get meat and quail. And in the morning, when they wake up, there would be manna all over the floor for them to go and gather. And so God says to them, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. And the people are to go out each day, gather enough for that day. And in this way, God is going to test them to see if they follow their instructions. There's a few thoughts I had with that. And if you're taking notes, the first one is this. It's important to know that you can pray for provision seems simple enough. And I think one of the issues we often have as Christians is we say things like, I don't want to bother God as if God could ever be bothered. And so when we say that, we say it oftentimes with things that we consider small things. Like, oh, I only bother God with big things. I only go to God when I need a a major thing. I don't bother God with small things. Again, as if God can be bothered. But here's the reality. There is no such thing as big or small to God because it's all small to God. So in your eyes, what you think is big is still small to God. And so it doesn't matter if it's the smallest detail like a piece of bread or if it's the biggest detail like a life-threatening disease. To God, it's all the same. And so we should never feel like, well, I can't go to God or or I don't want to bother God. In the same way that as a parent, you would never feel bothered if your child came to you with one of their needs. You want your children to come to you with their needs. You want them to feel like they can trust you and they can go to you and that, if anything, they're, they're going to lean on you. And so, as any good father, our heavenly father desires for you to come to him. Last Wednesday, we actually dug deep into that, talking about uh, the opportunity to ask. If you're interested, by the way, we're doing a sub-series on Wednesday night on Ask, Seek, and Knock and Man, Wednesday night past week was powerful, truly powerful. So that's just a little plug. I encourage you to come out this Wednesday, but I want you to understand that it's okay to ask God for what you need. We just, like I said, went through it. And in Luke chapter 11, verse nine through 10, it says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open For everyone who asks, Receives. The one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. Oftentimes, the reason that your prayers aren't answered is because they're not asked. You're not willing to lift them up. And I know some might say, well, doesn't God know the desires of my heart? Yes, he does know the desires of your heart, but he still wants you to vocalize them. Because if he just, you know, gives you all the desires of your heart and you never at some point you're going to start thinking, well, this is just serendipitous or this is lucky or this is just what I get. I deserve it. God doesn't get credit because he was never asked. And so a lot of times we have to make sure that when we are bringing these needs that we're bringing them before the Lord and that we're not feeling weird or guilty or awkward about coming to God with our needs because God loves you and God wants to be able to fulfill your needs. God wants to be able to respond to what's going on. And so we got to be able to get over this insecurity that we have. Well, you know, I haven't been a great Christian and I haven't been doing this right or that right. Uh, Well, I don't know. God's not going to want to give it to me or God's not going to want to answer it. Listen, why don't you ask God and let him decide, right? I remember I was talking, I, I mentioned this a while back. I was talking with Judd. Where you at, Judd? You in the house? There you go. Judd's working on, um, working the camera, my guy. Judd Jud was applying for internships and I gave him a list of like five or six potential internships. And he said, which one should I apply to? And I said, all of them. Why would you not apply? Like the worst they can do is say no, but it's already a no if you don't ask. And in the same way, what, well, what prayer should I lift up to God? All of them, all your needs, all, even the smallest little details, right? Like God, what am I gonna need to, I don't know, ask God. Who knows, somebody might pay for your McDonald's in the drive-thru line on your way to work. God might provide a miraculous cool ways. And even those subtle little things, they matter. They make an impact on your life. Sometimes even more than the big things. Right, But here's the reality. When you don't bring your needs to God, you'll go to other places to fulfill them. When you don't bring your needs to God, you'll go to other places to fulfill them. Well, how do I know? Again, they were complaining, and immediately their complaint went like this in Exodus 16, 2 through 3. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. So because they're complaining and not necessarily bringing their need to God, their mindset immediately goes back to Egypt and they start thinking fondly of the meat they used to eat and the, and the desserts they used to have and the appetizers and the bread. And they're, they're looking back at their time of slavery and going, weren't those good times? And this is what happens. When we stop bringing our needs to God, we start looking at our past and going, well, you know, man, before I knew the Lord, I, I was I was doing good financially, and I was doing great with this. And and now our mind starts to lean back into who we used to be, and we remember the good things of our past. We just forget the enslavement of our past. We forget all the negative consequences. Man, I remember back in when I used to party. You used to be, yeah, but you remember the party, you forget the hangover. You remember the relationship, you forget the breakup. You keep going back to things, and you romanticize your past and that's because you're not looking to God for your future. We have to be able to understand God, if I have a need and this, listen, we get this with everybody. As as my children are growing up, I want them to come to me because I understand if they don't go to me, they're going to go to somebody else. I want to talk to my kid about the birds and the bees because I don't want them to learn it from their other moron friend in school. I want them to learn it from me. And some parents are like, oh, no, no. Listen, if you, if you, I, as a youth pastor, I remember I'd get parents, are like, oh, you know, I don't know if I want you talking to my kids about sex. Your kid's 17. They know already. They just know all the wrong aspects of it. I'm trying to teach them the biblical truths of what God has established. And if you haven't had that conversation yet, and I'm sorry if I'm convicting you right now, but maybe that's the Lord. Um, if we don't talk to them, someone else will. And if you don't talk to God, you're going to talk to someone else. And so why not bring every single petition before the Lord? And don't minimize a prayer need. Don't make it feel like it's something small. Because if it's enough to bother you, it's enough to pray about. If it's enough to concern you, it's enough for you to be able to lift up. And so bring your petitions before the Lord before you bring it before anybody else. Now. When we bring our needs before the Lord, remember that God is willing, able, and capable of giving you all of your needs. But here's an important thing to remember if you're taking notes. That we need to pray for our need, not our greed. Okay? Pray for our need, not our greed. Why am I saying that? God provided daily bread, not a warehouse of bread. Okay? Daily bread. This is a need. Oftentimes, our prayers are more for our greed than they are for our need. And then we get mad at God for not giving us the desires of our heart. Well, God, you didn't give me this and you didn't give me that. I said, well, you didn't need that. I gave you what you needed. You may not always have what you want, but most of us in this room, we all have what we need. We all have basic essentials, right? We all have clothes on our back. Nobody's naked, thank God. We, we all have food in our stomach, for the most part. Some of us are fasting, thank you, God. Like we, we, we all have our basic needs. Truthfully, just by the very nature of where we live, none of us are really in dire need when it comes to our basic essentials. Right. Everything we're looking for, it really is, is above and beyond. That. And still, God blesses us above and beyond that. But what we start to do is we start to get greedy. Right. And we start to we start to push past it. And that's when we start saying things like, well, you know, I can't afford to tithe. What do you mean you can't afford to tithe? Just cancel one of your subscriptions to whatever streaming device you have and there's your tithe. Like you, we, we keep looking at things as if we are the most impoverished nation in the world and we're not. When the rest of the world lives on an average of $2 a day, how many know we're blessed beyond measure when it comes to our needs? And even if it's not financial or monetary or or even physical needs, God provides for your emotional, spiritual, psychological. He's willing to provide for all of your needs if you are willing to go to him for that. Philippians chapter four, verse 11 through 13. I'm not saying this because I am in need. This is Paul speaking. For I have learned to be content Whatever the circumstance, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So often Philippians is reduced to verse 13 and we throw it on a shoe before a basketball game or we put it on an eyeliner and, and we overuse that very much out of context and think, well, I can do anything through Christ who strengthens me. But listen to what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, no matter what situation I'm in, whether in plenty or in few, I could be content. Why? Because I know that God provides my need. The secret to contentment is learning to trust God. Trust that he knows what you need and he's going to be able to provide that for you. Trust that he will provide for your specific needs, which may not be what other people have. Here's what happens. God gives you what you need and then suddenly you want what somebody else got their need. That's the definition of coveting. Coveting is not being satisfied with what you have because you want what they have. That's their need, and God is providing their need. Don't get mad because you don't have what they needed. And so oftentimes we get angry at God because even though we have what we need, we don't have what we want, we want what they have. And again, a lot of this brings up children, but uh, we, we see this oftentimes with children. We give them exactly what they need. My wife and I, when we eat, we give them their plate and then they see our plate and they're like, I want that. And it's like, no, you don't. It's the same thing. No, I wonder, it. it tastes better from your plate. It's like, no, it doesn't. But again, it's this mindset I want what you have. We need to learn to be content with what God has given us. Listen, in Exodus 16, verse 16 through 18, Going back to that story, this is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person that you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. So some people might need more, some people might need less. But you get what you need when you go to God. And if you can learn to be content with receiving your need, then it's easy for God to continue to bless you with everything above and beyond that. But if you can't even be content with receiving your need, suddenly that becomes greediness. Now it becomes covetedness. Now it becomes this incessant desire. And when you get to that point, there is no fulfillment of greed. Only need can be fulfilled. Greed can never be fulfilled. Greed is the constant appetite for more, more, and more. And when we reduce it, this isn't about being minimalistic. This isn't about necessarily selling all your possessions and giving it to the poor like the rich young ruler. This is about contentment. God, wherever you have me, I trust you. I may not be in this situation. I may not have the size house that I want, but God, thank you that I have a roof over my head today. You know, I may not have the car that I like, but thank you, Lord, that you provided a vehicle for me to get to work. I may not even be in the job that I want to be in, but God, I thank you that I can provide for my family and myself in this moment. That's the secret of being content. It's not looking to what you don't have. It's honoring and loving what God has already given you. And so we got to pray for our need, not for our greed. And as we kind of go into it a little bit more, here's another good tip. Learn to pray according to scripture. Learn to pray according to scripture. Here's an important understanding. When God gave to the Israelites, he said he was going to test them, right? Oftentimes, God's provision comes with God's instructions. And if we don't follow God's instructions, we often will miss out on what the provision is meant to accomplish. God was clear with Moses that he was going to test his people and see if they follow instructions. Oftentimes, God is going to give you something just to see what you're going to do with it. God said, all right, you wanted that new job? I'm going to give you that new job. Let me see what you're going to do with that. Okay, you, you wanted a, a relationship? All right, I'm going to bring that relationship into your life. Let me see what you're going to do with it. I'm going to test you to see if you're going to live according to the scriptures that I've called you to live by. And oftentimes, the reason we don't get some of these things is because God knows you're not going to be able to pass that test. Because if I give it to you based on your maturity level right now, you're not going to be able to handle it. You're not going to be a good steward of it. Looking back in Exodus, right, Exodus 16, let's go verse 25 through 28. Eat eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. The Sabbath was the seventh day Saturday, which was considered holy. This is actually the first time we see them honoring the Sabbath, right? It says, because today is a Sabbath, you are not meant to work on the Sabbath. You're not meant to do anything on the Sabbath. Still, if you go to some very Hasidic neighborhoods or very traditional Jewish neighborhoods on a Saturday, they don't answer the phone, they don't drive cars, you see everybody walking everywhere because they're honoring the Sabbath. So this is the first indicator that we see of that. And so Moses is telling the people, that bread that you got, eat it today because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. So they were to gather bread every day, uh, Sunday through Friday. On Friday, they were to gather twice as much so they have enough for Friday and enough for Saturday. So he's telling them, hey, listen, this is Saturday, this is the Sabbath. Don't go out and get bread. You're not gonna find any. Six days you are to gather it, but on the Sabbath, day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, regardless, in spite of, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? It's like we have to do what we're not told to do. Don't push that button. Now everything in you wants to push that button. Hey, listen, eat it today. Don't go out tomorrow but we ignore God's instructions and we do it anyways. They went out for bread, but they found none. This is a great opportunity to see if they trusted God's word or didn't. People today still look for life and fulfillment in places God has said there isn't going to be any. Too often, we're going out for bread when God told you there's no bread over there. Hey, well, I'm just going to go here because no, 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 You're going for bread. and There's no bread there anymore. Don't go there. Don't get into that situation. Don't engage in that. Don't participate in that. There's no bread for you there. Yeah, well, I'm gonna go and see anyway. This is what it means to trust God's word. And how many of us have engaged in sin that we knew was wrong, but we thought, I'm gonna try it anyways, only to come up short or only to come up hurt because we engaged in something that we knew we should have never done. And then there's that moment of going, man, I, I knew I shouldn't have done this. I knew I shouldn't have gotten involved in this, but I ignored God's word. Most of us in this room who have been longtime believers, you already know the word of God and you already know the truth of God. And when you pray in accordance to scripture, it's a lot easier to live in accordance to scripture. It's a lot easier to line up with that. We have to trust our provider more than we trust our provision. Okay, we have to trust our provider more than we trust our provision. What God is giving you, trust that he knows best. Trust that he's going to guide you in that and live in accordance to his word. So when you prayed for that raise and God gives you that raise, that doesn't mean now disappear from all your family, from ministry, from everything that you're doing because, oh, well, I got to work more hours. Why would God bless you more to see you less? And so this is what we have to understand. When God gives you more, let's just go on a financial standpoint. God blesses you more, not so that you can have a bigger house, not so that you can have a bigger car, but so that you can be a bigger blessing, so that you can then pass it on to somebody else, so that you can then be a blessing to the kingdom of God, so that you can then continue to go above and beyond in what God has given you. It's not so that you can feed on your own indulgence. That's the greed part. But when you live according to scripture, God has no problem blessing you because he knows they're going to follow my instructions when I give it to them. My wife was, was cooking yesterday something. I was in the office working and she asked me, can you give me the recipe for this? And I gave her the recipe for it. And then I, I called her back later. I said, like, oh, I'm sorry. Don't forget to do this. And she goes, oh, I did that. that. That makes sense. I would have done that anyway. The reason I did that, honestly, and my wife's here so she won't get mad at me, um, my wife has this tendency where she would only do exactly what you told her to do. And so if I didn't tell her a step, she wasn't gonna do the step. So one of the steps was like, wash the potatoes, because you were gonna leave the skin on. And so I was like, did you wash the potatoes? She's like, yeah, I did that, I was like, oh, thank God. Why don't you think I wouldn't wash potatoes? Because sometimes you just don't do it unless you're specifically told. <laughs> Listen, God is gonna give us the Holy Spirit to fill the gaps on the things that aren't specifically told. That things that aren't specific in scripture, the Holy Spirit will help fill that gap. But you gotta be able to live in accordance to it. Listen, Matthew 4, 4. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The provider is so much more than the provision. You just gotta learn to follow the provider's instructions. Fourth thing is this, if you're taking notes. Not only do we need to Pray for the need, not the greed, and pray for our our provisions, but we have to learn to pray daily. Give us this day our daily bread. Okay? The bread was there every morning, but they still had to go gather it. Okay? They still had to go gather it. In other words, the bread didn't show up in their tent on their table, baked, cooked, ready to serve. The bread showed up outside on the ground, and then they had to go and they had to get it. In other words, God has provision ready for you. God has your needs ready for you. But if you don't go out and pray every day, you're going to miss out on that blessing. If you don't go and gather what God has provided, you're going to miss out on it. Let's be honest. Sometimes, especially I've had this where I missed maybe a devotion time and and the next day or later that day I try to catch up and I realize, man, I could have really used this yesterday. Man, exactly what God was speaking to me or exactly what I was going through is exactly what I needed yesterday. But because I missed my daily appointment with God, I missed on an opportunity to be blessed with what God was trying to do for me. Going back to Exodus 19 and 21, then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention, again, not following instructions, to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, the bread, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. Listen, Tomorrow's needs are not going to be fulfilled by today's provision. I need something new tomorrow. Okay? In the same way, like, it, it, could you imagine if you took, let's say today, Sunday, and, and you, let's just hypothetically assume you took a bath, not a shower. If you're a bath person, you don't need to raise your hand. I just think that's weird. Just kind of sitting there and all your... Even my kids, when I give them a bath, I, I clean them first. Then I fill the bath for them because the it just grosses me out. Anyway, let's just pretend you take a bath. Right? Let's say you're, you're, you're in a country where it doesn't have running water and you got a basin, you take a bath. So you take a bath, you clean yourself up. And then the next day, you go over to take a bath, but instead of getting new water, you jump back in that same bucket from yesterday's bath. And then the second day comes, and instead of getting a fresh bucket of water, you go back into that water that you bathed the last two days in, the third day and the fourth day and the fifth day. At some point, probably by the second day, you're not cleaning yourself anymore. You're just moving dirt around. You're just scooting things around. Some of you try to live all week on Sunday morning's blessing. That's not enough. It's not enough. Well, that's why I come on Wednesday. I'm sorry. I've been fasting this week, and even I know I can't go two days eating a whole week. Okay? it's not enough. You gotta go get your provision every day. You gotta go get your blessing and prayer every day. The bread was on the ground meaning they had to go gather. This wasn't easy, okay? They had to go and get it. One time in my life I went strawberry picking. The only time in my life I went strawberry That is the dumbest activity that they've ever created. I paid money to go into their field and pick their fruit and and again, it's not like apple picking. Apple picking's nice. You know, you got the fall weather, the jean jacket. You're pulling it's nice. I, I'm good because short people love me at apple picking. I take care of them. Apple picking's great. Strawberry I don't know if you know this, strawberries grow from out of the ground. So you got to dig down to get, I mean, it is back breaking. The only way I would ever do it again is if I took my children because they're that tall. I'm like, you pick the strawberries, I'll hold the basket. <laughs> it's the only way I'm going to do it. Well, if they're gathering manna from the ground, they have to get down on their knees every single day. Every day they have to bend down and gather and scoop. They have to pick up. But here's what I understand. When you learn to kneel daily before the Lord, it's easy to stand up to anything else that comes in your day. What if we, every day in the morning, got on our knees before God? And it doesn't have to be literally. I can't get on my knees that long anymore. It could be figuratively. It could be spiritually. To say, God, I'm going to prostrate before you. I'm going to Lower myself in humility and come before my God. Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Why are we spending more time worrying than praying? That doesn't make sense. What benefit does it give you? How does it add to your day? How does it give you anything to just sit there and worry? That's what was happening with the Israelites. They were worrying. Think about it like this, though. They, they weren't even starving yet, but they were already worried. They were already preoccupied, and they were already complaining. They didn't go to God. They didn't ask God. And so here's the problem. Some of you have lost peace because you've allowed your mind and your heart to wander into worry instead of kneeling into prayer. If one of them is going to take up my time, I'd rather do something fruitful like prayer than something harmful like worry. And so here's a good indicator for you in the same way that as you fast and when you feel hungry, it's a good indicator to pray. Anytime you worry, instead of freaking out, let that be an indicator for you. Let that be that signal on the front of your dashboard to tell you it's a good opportunity to pray right now. Hey, I'm starting to worry. I'm starting to feel some anxiety. I'm starting to get some trepidation. Hey, let me get on my knees and pray. Let me go before the Lord and pray. And I love what it talked about here in Philippians, right? It says, don't worry about anything. It said, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And I like this last part thank Him for all He has done. Fifth point, if you're taking notes, is we got to learn to pray with gratitude for yesterday's bread. We got to learn to pray with gratitude for yesterday's bread. At the beginning, we saw how Israel was complaining about their current situation. I think it's because they lack gratitude. This is a big reason why that generation was not allowed eventually to go into the promised land. They were forced to wander in that wilderness for 40 years until that whole generation died off and then their children would go ahead and inherit the promised land. Why? Because they were complainers. Because they didn't appreciate yesterday's bread. Consider this. uh, Exodus 16 verse 1. The whole Israelite community set out from Ilium and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Ilium and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. So this is kind of giving you a timeline of their journey. So they come out of Egypt, they have a little place of rest, and then they head out. So this has been about a month since they left Egypt because they left on the 15th of the previous month. One month, one month, since they saw God saying plagues to their enemy and yet protect them. A river of blood, lotus smothering the place, frogs all over. I mean, literal plagues and God's protection on them. One month, since the Passover, where by God's grace, death literally passed over their homes and took out their enemies. One month since the deliverance at the Red Sea, where God splits the sea in half and allows them to escape the mightiest army of that day. One month, they forgot it all. So God, you can split the sea, but you can't feed me today? Oh man, that's messed up. God, you can send plagues a month ago, but I don't trust you for provision today? Wow, God, you can protect my whole family from dying, but I don't think you can protect me today from starving to death. That's that's why I think God was so upset. I would be upset. I would be angry at that kind of short-term memory. And then I wonder, how often are we still doing that today? When we so quickly forget God's past provision, it's easy to complain about what we don't have today. We sit there, and we murmur, and we get angry, and we're like, I'm not here, I'm not there, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing I wish we had this, I wish, why hasn't God done this? And God's like, brother, I have already done more than enough. I mean, let's just consider it like this. Does God really owe us anything? Truthfully, he's given us salvation. We are freed from sin and eternal life with God. Does God after that owe us a thing? No. Most of us in this room, we fully understand that. God doesn't owe us anything. Yet, out of the abundance of his love and grace, he continues to give his kids. Right? And again, I I, I like that illustration of a father and his children. Because let's be honest, like some of you are older, you got kids that are already out of the house. You don't owe that kid anything anymore. Right? The kids that are out of your house, you're like, you owe me now. Here's back pay for all the food you ate when you were growing up. Uh, They don't owe you anything, and yet. No matter how old your kid is, when they come to your doorstep with a need, as a good father, as a good mother, come on in. Come on in. Listen, I I still, when I go to my mom's house, she feeds me like I'm 12 years old. And she takes care of me like I'm still her baby. Why? Because I never will not be her baby. And I'm her favorite. Don't let my sisters know that, but (laughs) most of them, I think, could know that. God, why would God turn you away even though he doesn't owe you anything? He loves you. Does that make sense? When my kids are out of the house, I won't owe them anything else except for the debt of love that I have for them. We have to get to a point where we take moment to inventorize what God has done. This is what worship is about, by the way. If you think worship is just music, you're missing the point. Worship is an act of gratitude and sacrifice to the Lord. To say, God, I'm not worrying about what I don't have. I'm looking at who I have in you. I'm acknowledging your presence. I'm acknowledging your spirit. I'm acknowledging that if I have you, I can be content. And I already have all that I need with you. Pastor Jason, worship team, if you can help me out. We see mention of this story in John chapter six. In this portion, Jesus Uh, This is just after Jesus miraculously feeds 5,000 men plus women and children. So he's been teaching all day on this little hill, and there's all these people that have gathered, and the disciples realize they're hungry, and they say, hey, send them home so they can eat. Jesus' response is, no, you feed them. And so he gets a little kid's Lunchables. He splits it up, and miraculously, with a few fish and some loaves of bread, He feeds 5,000 men plus women and children. The next day, that crowd goes looking for Jesus again. And Jesus calls out their motives. John chapter six, verse 30 through 35. They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? Let me pause right there. What do you mean, what can I do? I just fed 5,000 plus women and children yesterday with the kids' lunch. And yet, the next day, hey, give me a sign, show me what you can do. God doesn't have to prove himself to you, by the way. God doesn't owe you anything like we mentioned a second ago. Let's not have goldfish memories here that are only 24 hours. They come up to Jesus and they go, hey, if you're God, show me a sign. Give us a miracle. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say, Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Pause again. This is why we pray according to scripture. Because the scripture does not say that Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus calls that out. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us this bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again. Listen, is God going to give you what you need? Absolutely. Is God concerned with your day-to-day needs? Absolutely. Is God willing to give you the provisions of your life? We just talked about all that. But here's an important thing to recognize. That God can give you all of your physical needs. And yet still, one day, we all still die. And the next day after we die, we're not going to eat that food that was left in our fridge. We're not going to spend the money that was left in our bank account. We're not going to live in the house that we spent 30 years paying for. We're not going to drive the car that we dreamed our whole life of owning. One day, and nobody is, by the way, promised to die at an old age. But one day, when the Lord brings us home, we are the only thing that goes home. Everything else that we've invested in, that we've sacrificed for, that we fought for, all of that stays here. And that's not to diminish those things. Again, I like food. I enjoy it. But life is so much more than food. And what Jesus is pointing out, you're missing the point of what I did. It wasn't the bread I gave you. You came back looking for more bread. What you should have looked for was the baker, (laughs) the one who gave you that bread. And what is Jesus saying? He's given us what the scriptures say. Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added onto you. Hey, come to me first. Let me be your greatest need and I'll provide for all your other needs. And so if you're sitting here, you're going, man, yeah, I just need this. I just need that. With all due respect, and I'm not diminishing any of your needs. If you don't have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that is and always will be your greatest need. And until that need is fulfilled, no other need in your life could ever really be fulfilled. Until your need for Christ is fulfilled, nothing else ever gets fulfilled. It's the same way of like shopping on an empty stomach. You're going to buy all this stuff you don't need. But when you're satisfied internally, it's easy to shop externally and so when you're not fulfilled from the inside out you're going to try to fulfill from the outside in you're going to keep going after stuff you're going to keep trying to gather things you're going to keep trying to accumulate relationships you're going to try and try and try and fail and fail and fail because first thing's always going to be first do you have the bread of life that will never leave you hungry again and if you don't have that we can give you everything else but guess what, if I feed you today, you're still gonna be hungry tomorrow. If we give you your rent today, you're still gonna to have to pay rent next month. If we provide for your need today, you're still gonna have a need tomorrow. But if you have Jesus today, that hunger will be satisfied forever. So why not you stand to your feet as we get ready to wrap this up. I'm gonna ask you for just a moment As a point of reflection, to bow your head and close your eyes, just listen to my voice. God is more than happy to give you your daily bread, He'll provide for you. But I need to make sure I ask this for any individual that's here, sir, ma'am, young person, do you have the bread of life? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Or maybe you did that at some point in your life, but if you're honest with yourself, that's not where you're at today. You can't say with confidence that you have a healthy relationship with God. So either one of those people, if you're in this place and you recognize there's a hunger that I've had in my life and I've tried to satisfy it with so many other things, but I recognize now But only God can fulfill that hunger. Only God can fulfill that need. I wanna give you an opportunity to have that right here and right now. With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one needing to look around, between you and God. Sir, ma'am, if that's you, if you wanna rededicate your life to God, or if you know that I need to do it for the first time ever, all you need to do is signal me by lifting up your hand and I'm gonna include you in this prayer. If that's you, go ahead. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Anyone else? Pastor, that's me. Thank you, bro. Anyone else? Amen. Thank you, sir. Amen. Church, pray with me. Say, Jesus, I acknowledge There's a need in my life, but I also know that nothing except for you can fulfill that. So I ask you, come into my life, forgive me of my sins, be my savior and my Lord. I thank you, God, for the bread of life and for giving me a piece of you. Help me, Father to live in a way that honors you and that makes me new. I thank you, God, for all of it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, would you give God a hand clap of praise? Listen, I just want to encourage you as we get ready to dismiss. Do not miss that daily appointment with God. Whether it's five minutes or 50 minutes, take time every day to have that relationship with the Lord in prayer. Even if you're not going through the whole fast, at least do the prayer part. Take time every day to seek his face, not just his hand. And I promise you, when you see his face, you get the whole rest of the body too. God bless you, church. We love you. Come on Wednesday so you can learn about how to seek God's face. Have a good one.